Hi, this is Russell Todd from Friday the 13th Part 2, and you're listening to Scream 101. Welcome to Scream 101 Podcast. This week we are, have a very, very special episode. Um, in this episode, myself, Shannon Chalakian, and my wonderful co-host... Brennan Klein. How are you doing? We interview Russell Todd, who is more than just an actor in Friday the 13th Part 2, or in Chopping Mall, or in... He Knows You're Alone. But also a professional in the industry uh, in other ways, which will be revealed in the interview. I will tell you right now, though, uh, we recorded him over the phone, so it will kind of sound a little distorted. We apologize for that. But we are very thankful to Russell Todd for for doing um, for taking the time out of his busy day in, in his real adult life to talk to us. Yeah, he has a real job, not like us. So yeah. Uh, yeah. he was very accommodating and super, super nice. But before we jump into that, which will be very, very shortly, uh, let's do our 10-word reviews. Okay. Uh, my my 10-word review is for What's Your Number? Anna Ferris movies aren't my favorite, but this was meh. Yeah. Um, I'll open with that as my 10-word review also because we watched that together. Uh, solely a naked Chris Evans delivery system. This is fine. <laughs> and um, in the heart of the sea, scraggly survivor beard, perfectly waxed chest, hardcore realism. And we are your friends. At least it did better than Gem and the Holograms. Yeah, but so did everything else. That's true. Anyway, please enjoy this very special episode of us talking to Russell Todd. Just a little bit of uh, exposition on Russell Todd's film work before we start, because I didn't thoroughly cover it with him, because he already knows. He appeared in He Knows You're Alone in 1980, which is one of my favorite slasher movies. Um, he plays this guy who's making out with a girl in a car in the beginning, and then he gets um, hung upside down and killed in this like very urban legend kind of way. And then he went on to star in Friday the 13th Part 2 as Scott, who gets uh, hung upside down and gets his throat slashed with the back of a machete. And then later, in 1986, he appeared in Jim Wynorski's masterpiece, Chopping Mall, which is about robots that attack kids in a mall. And he plays a guy who's married to a girl, which is very interesting. And he was also, he appeared for quite a few episodes on Another World as Dr. Jamie Blink. And without further ado, please enjoy Russell Todd uh, as much as we did. Let's give a great big Scream 101 welcome to Russell Todd from Friday the 13th Part 2, Chopping Mall, and He Knows You're Alone. Thank you so much for joining us, Russell. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Great. So uh, we're just going to ask you a couple questions. First of all, uh, how do you audition for? How did you audition for Friday the Thirteenth? And um, what did they have you read? Well, when I read for Friday the Thirteenth, I actually just saw it as a, a, a audition notice in backstage, the publication backstage in New York. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't really have an agent, and I thought, you know, this will never happen. But uh, they let me come in, and I don't specifically remember what I read for the audition, but I remember them saying, uh, no callback necessary, that, uh, you know, we're going to hire you, you're going to get the job. And I thought, oh, wow, this is incredible, because the first one was so successful, I thought this is amazing to, to continue this on. 
And um, that's, that's how that happened. And off we went to Kent, Connecticut uh, to shoot it soon after. Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, um, because you had done He Knows You're Alone the year before, um, was horror something you were seeking out, or was it just kind of serendipitous? It was serendipitous. I wasn't specifically looking at any horror project, but um, I guess they all thought that I died well upside down uh, with slip throats, which is what happened in both of them. Um, but no, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I wanted to do any work as an actor, of course, but it just happened that I ended up doing a number of horror pictures. Great. Well, we, we appreciate that because you've brought a lot of joy into our lives. Yeah, you... Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, it was so much fun to make both those movies. Although the Pinot Your Lung was much briefer, um, it was just a, a great experience uh, to do both of them. Excellent, yeah. And you had talked about uh, you know being hung upside down and dying upside down in both. Um, how long would you say you were actually upside down while filming? Well, for Friday the 13th Part 2, they had to do a, first of all, they had to do a foam latex piece on my throat that was pre-cut for the slit. And they had tubing going from that piece, because uh, I was upside down, uh, you know, down my chest, up my legs, and out my, towards my feet. And, and there was a guy in the tree with a pump and a canister filled with fake blood that would be pumping it. So they had to have me upside down after I was in that rigging. And they had to make things, you know, put everything into place and make it work properly. Uh, they could only do it once because the, the blood and the prosthetic and all, and it was pre-cut, so they didn't have to worry about that. Um, but uh, I would say I was probably upside down about maybe five or six hours. It was a long, long time, but they would have someone that would lift up my head and my back so I wouldn't be totally upside down for the entire time. But it took quite a lot of time to do that, and... and uh, and to figure it out. And the funny part about it, which is you guys probably know because people write about it, is when you see the shot, the machete comes in and it's actually reversed. I don't know why they did that. Maybe it was either <laughs> a mistake or they were afraid they didn't really want to cut my throat by mistake. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad that they lifted you up every now and then because I feel like if you were upside down for that long, you might have actually died. <laughs> yeah, this is true. That would not be a good thing. Uh, and if, I don't know if I mentioned this uh, in other interviews before, but uh, they saved my death scene for the last day of my shooting schedule, not the last day of shooting the movie. And I remember calling my parents the night before saying, tomorrow's my last day of the day. And they said, oh, well, what are you doing on your last day? Oh, that's my death scene. <laughs> Russell, why are they doing your death scene on the last day? Is, is this a snuff movie? Are they going <laughs> to really kill you? <laughs> I said, no, I don't think so, Mom. This is Paramount Pictures, the first one, it's a sequel, the you know, first one, no one really died, and so uh, I had to calm their fears for this. <laughs> well, and clearly you survived, so that's good. Um, yes. And another question, your character Scott is kind of like the hunk character in the movie, but he constantly strikes out. Are you disappointed yeah. that, yeah. Are you disappointed that you didn't get a traditional, like, Friday the 13th sex equals death scene, or are you kind of grateful? Well, it's true. Sex always equals death in a horror movie. And in fact, since I stole the clothing from Kristen Baker uh, while she was skinny dipping, I get, get that implied enough that there was sexual you know, tension between us, and, and I deserve to die for that. Uh, <laughs> That's but, a good... um, no, it was fine that it wasn't a tradition. It all worked out great. I loved the character. I, I loved how it was written. And, 
it was it was a lot of fun to play and to be with those people. It was a, it was a great cast and crew, and we had a lot of fun together. Excellent. Um, so, did you have a chance to see the movie in in theaters? I did, and it was because it was one of the first films I did. I mean, he knows your loans before that, but you know, seeing yourself on a big screen is, is, is uh, kind of surreal. And um, like I said, it was one of the earlier movies I did, and it was wonderful to be there in the theater and hear people scream at various points and and, and, and watch the joy on their face and hear it in their voices. And then meet some people afterward and, and, and talk about it. So yeah, it was it was it was very exciting to see it in the theaters. I, I would bring different friends to see it, um, and I've even now have the DVD. You know, of course, eventually came out a DVD, and sometimes other friends that have never seen it will will sit down and watch it. And, um, it's always fun because I get a kick out of it. Who would you say of your friends had the best reaction to the movie? Or just anyone that you saw, like, who had a really memorable reaction to it? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I would say, not friends, but my, when I sat down and uh, in the theater, I saw my parents, it, it bothered them, so their reaction was really priceless, because they were seeing their son killed, and, um, and just, you know, I remember my mom screaming when it happened, <laughs> how difficult for her, she said, just go, I can't watch this, I can't watch you get killed. I said, well, you knew that was going to happen in the movie. I told you what happened when we shot it. But uh, I think their reaction was pretty priceless when they when they saw it happen. That's so sweet. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of that experience, how is the experience of watching yourself die on screen? I feel like it must be kind of intense. Well, it, it's interesting. The first time you see it, like when he knows you're alone, it was like, oh, that's gross, and you know, and you kind of step back, and it doesn't even seem like you anymore. But when I saw Friday the 13th, and I had done you know, something similar prior to that, then it was more like, oh, I remember hanging in. Oh, yeah, I remember the blood. Oh, I remember when they had it cut quickly because the blood was going into my eyes so they couldn't continue the shot. So I was thinking more of the technical aspects of it and how it was put together as opposed to, um, you know, just the, the, the performance or, or, or just dying or watching myself die. Excellent. Okay, so um, your character in Chopping Mall is married, which is unique for teen horror. Did that affect your performance at all? That's true. I, I never actually thought about that. As you mentioned it. I didn't, I didn't think about that aspect, but you're very right. Uh, it did not affect the performance because, you know, you, you read a script, you are the character, you, 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 know, you say the lines, you, you, know, you devote yourself to that performance. Um, but I didn't, uh, I truly didn't think that that's rare for, for other uh, horror pictures because usually people are single and they get involved and they die. <laughs> but uh, that's a good point. But no, it did not affect the performance. You're a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, also, you worked for quite a bit of time on the soap opera Another World. Um, yes. When you exist as a certain character for such a sustained period of time, sometimes daily, does it become easier to embody them? I think so. You know, when you're, when you're the same character, I did it for years, and you learn, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages, you know. I mean, some days I had like 50 pages. Uh, and I was a doctor, so a lot of technical stuff in the hospital, and there were courtroom scenes, and lots of dialogue, and... 
you know, you're, you're living and breathing that character 50 weeks a year. You get two weeks off, which have to be planned way in advance. Like, uh-huh. right, it's the story. And in fact, I had broken my foot during the shooting of Another World. I'd come home one weekend and was moving some stuff. So I had to call them immediately, and they wrote that into the story, too. And uh-huh. All of a sudden, Jamie had, a, had an accident playing tennis, which was <laughs> crazy. Um, but uh, it's... Um, it was a very interesting experience, but you, uh, I loved doing it, uh, but I think that playing the same character for a long time is not as rewarding um, as playing different characters and, and jumping around and having the opportunity to be different people. That, that I preferred much more. Okay, and well, out of those other characters, what's your favorite role that you've done? I loved a western I did called Border Shootout with Glenn Ford. You know, an iconic uh, Western uh, star. And uh, we shot it in old Tucson, and uh, it was for TNT, and I got to play this guy who was on the wrong side of the law, but he had a heart. And it was a really cool, cool character, great clothing, you know, the duster and, and the guns and the hat and, and you know, some growth on your face. And it was just really, really terrific time. And I had a privilege to work with Glenn Ford uh as well so i would think that was the most interesting and um an exciting time i had uh, as an actor you know that one character cool that's awesome so um have you considered getting back in in front of the camera is that part of your your plan or or um you know where are you now actually i'm uh, quite happy doing what i do i love what i do and what you do is you are part of the Russell Todd Agency, correct? Correct. Russell Todd started about 15 years ago. We represent steady cam operators and camera operators all over the country and some around the world. And they shoot and work on most of the major films, television shows, commercials, music videos that are made everywhere. And the guys stay very busy. Uh, I love making their deals. I have great um, relationships with people in production all over the country, which is nice. And, um, and I'm getting very happy. I don't have to worry about what I look like when I wake up in the morning, which is a nice change. And I don't have to memorize lines, which is even nicer. Excellent. So I have to ask, how did you get into, um, you know, switching from your modeling and your acting to, to running this agency? It's uh, a good question. I, I was doing the soap opera in New York and other world, and I came back, and as I said, I kind of got, not disillusioned, but just... I didn't enjoy the acting as much after playing the same person for three years. And I went on a commercial audition, and uh, a friend of mine, Kirk Orlando, who's also an agent, was operating the camera at that audition. And he said, I'm leaving here, and I'm going to be, I work for an agency that they're looking for someone to help out in the TV department. And I said, well, how can I go from doing the soap opera to being an assistant to an agent? But I said, you know, I want to start something new and learn uh, a different business. So I met the people, and I liked them very much, and they liked me, and, and I started working for them. And about two weeks into my employment, a guy walked into their office, and I was just manning the phones at that point to you know, help out in the office. And he said, do you represent Steadicam operators? And I said, I don't think so, but let me get back to you. And I researched it, and I realized that no one represented Steadicam operators. There was no one was doing that at any agency. And I started the first division of Steadicam operators at any major agency. And then um, it kind of grew from there. I stayed there for a few years and then I left 
and opened my own company 15 years ago. And uh, it grew from like 10 clients there to, to about 50 clients now. That That's incredible. Um, when did it you... Was quite, quite a transition. I was, I was very happy I took that chance and uh, you know, it paid off in many respects. Um, and uh, one of the best things I ever did. When do you think you realized that, when you first realized that your agency was a success? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, one day, um, uh, Aaron Spelling's office called when they were very big and Aaron was alive. And his production manager called my office and they asked about a specific client, no, no, about any client, who do you have to do one of our TV shows? And I don't remember what show it was. It was a brand new show for them. And they said, this is the kind of money we have. And I said, well, that's absolutely low. I don't, my clients don't work for that. And he said, Russell, this is Aaron Spelling's office. You know, <laughs> you know he's the most famous, well-known producer in television. And, you know, anyone would want to work for us. I understand that. But, you know, it's still too low. It's not going to work. But thank you very much for calling. He said, all right. And they hung up. And I was thinking, uh, was that right or not? And then two days later, they called back and they said, Russell, everyone knows you're the only game in town. What will it take to have one of your guys on our show? And I said, yes. And that's a good lesson too. Like when you're really successful is when you can actually say no to people. And I think that's a great lesson, without a doubt. That uh, you know, people should say no. Actors should say no. My steady cam operator should say no. Um, you don't always have to say yes to what's thrown out there. And, and you know, it's about negotiating anyway. That's what I do for a living. And and by saying no, it doesn't necessarily make you more desirable. But people think, oh well, he's not just the weed. I'm not going to get him for a, for a nickel. You know. It's, it's, So a little bit back to horror, do you still watch and enjoy horror films? Were you ever a horror fan, or is that just kind of where your life went? No, I've always enjoyed horror pictures, and, um, you know, I go to see all kinds of movies today of, of every genre, and um, I'm trying to think, I can't think what the last horror picture is I saw, um, but I do like, like I said, all genres, and, and um, if there's a good one that comes out, I'll probably catch it. I, I haven't seen all of the... Halloween's or all of the Fridays, um, just the first couple of those uh, franchises. But uh, I'm open to everything. That's great. Um, and I think it's close to the time that we need to be wrapping up, so we have a couple more questions and we'll get through them really fast. Um, do you have any advice for young actors in the business that want to try to get into entertainment? I would say to any young actor trying to get into the business to, first of all, study, go to a reputable acting school, learn your craft. That's so important to learn the craft. And then, um, you know, do small things at first. Don't, you know, do regional theater, do whatever you can to get some, uh, some experience and some footage. It's important to get footage, uh, even if it's for something free. But, you know, get your foot in the door, get some footage, get some experience and some credits. And, um, you know, so many people get into acting because they feel in their heart that it's what I have to do. I just I was born to do this. But many years may go by and and nothing happens. I know a few people like that. Uh, 
that nothing ever happened, but it was still their driving force. I have to be an actor. I have to be an actor. So the other thing is be realistic. You know, have a day job. Have something that produces income that you know you can survive with. And then if you still must be an actor, pursue that as well with your heart. Uh, but at least you have something else, um, uh, you know, that you can fall back on that will pay your bills. But um, persistence is important. And if you truly need to be an actor, keep fighting, keep auditioning, keep doing it. There's so much rejection in this business. But even the biggest stars that are out there today have been rejected uh, in previous times. And uh, it happens to the best of them, and it will happen to you. And uh, let it roll off your shoulder. Don't ever take it personally. It's not about you, it's about them, what they see when you walk into that room and audition. You know, whether it's your look right off the bat or or, or anything. Uh, so never take it personally and just, uh, you know, keep pursuing. Okay. And uh, do you have any advice for young Steadicam operators who are trying to make it in the business? Yes, contact me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say if you're a young Steadicam operator, uh, once again, pursue, you know, do some jobs for free if you need to to get the experience and get the footage and get your craft together. Um, network, and that's important for actors too. It's very important to network. You know, contact people you admire. I always tell my current uh, clients, if, if there's a director of photography, a DP that you're really interested in, let him know that you like his work and that one day you hope to work with them. Send him your resume, send him your reel. Say, I'd love to work for you someday. I'd love to observe you on the set. So I think it's important to be proactive. Great. Excellent. And this is a question that we ask all of our, our interviews. Uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Dun, dun, dun. Friday the 13th Part 2. All right. <laughs> Good choice. Does that qualify? Yeah, of It course. counts. <laughs> oh, I have to think what else there is that I see that's scary. Um, gosh. I don't know. I'm, 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 being, I'm stuck on that one. I can't think of something that would be my favorite, but uh, obviously I'm partial to it. That's okay. We'll take it. No worries. <laughs> okay. And one last uh, weird question. Um, okay. When I was looking through your IMDb page, there's a really kind of a spectacular shirtless photo from about a year ago. What's the story behind that? Was it with my hand by my head? Yes. And I'm in jeans and there's like a little medallion around my neck? Yeah. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was just a, a friend of mine, a terrific, amazing photographer named James Franklin. Um, he said, let's do a photo here. And I thought, well, you know, I could have these photos at ever, you know, a production or a modeling job or a commercial something wanted. The guy who's now in his 50s, that's still in shape. And uh, then, you know, at least I would have something um, to uh, dispense to them. But I really have never sent it out for anything. It's been used in some press. Um, but uh, it was just a good friend of mine, like I said, James, who wanted to do that too, and, I, and I'd seen his work before. He's amazing, and I thought, well, I would, I would love to work with him. And okay. so that's how that came about. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, it just I was clicking through stuff, and it came up with no context, and I was like, he's in such great shape. I'm so impressed and slightly jealous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're no welcome. Problem. Uh, anyway, so uh, just to, to wrap things up, we wanted to say thank you so much for being on our podcast and for answering all of our very strange questions. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I want to thank both of you, too. I appreciate you asking very much, and it, it was a pleasure. 
Oh, thank you so much. And best of luck to you and your business. I know you don't need it because you've got the monopoly on, uh, you know, the operation. But um, best <laughs> of luck and, uh, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. I will. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You, you too. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that concludes our interview with Russell Todd. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, thank you again, Russell Todd, for yeah. agreeing to talk to us weirdos on, on our show. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And to wrap up, as always, we have our clue. Brennan, why don't you go ahead? About the clue from last week, which I think probably had a lot of people scratching their heads. I said we're going to be celebrating the most romantic holidays with an unshaven Canadian prison manager. I feel like people would guess that we're doing my bloody Valentine, which we are, because I was talking about a romantic holiday, and that's like the one. But what I was talking about um, with the unshaved Canadian prison manager is the name of the killer in my bloody Valentine is Harry Warden. Oh. Yeah? Oh. Isn't that great? Okay. I love it. And all right. I hope you all um, understand that clue now. And here's the clue for the film two weeks from now. Hey, 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 it's future Brennan here. We actually did not have a clue for the episode two weeks from now because what we're doing in two weeks is a very special awards season episode. It's the most exciting event of the season, the Screamy Awards! That's right, we've got a set of awards coming to you that cover all the movies that we've done over the past year. Give or take, because we didn't start exactly a year ago. Um, but we're going to have a link to a survey where you can vote for super special things like best champion dialogue, campiest movie, goriest movie, best kill, best sex scene, and a reasonable amount more. So um, that link will be available on our Facebook and on our Twitter. Please, please check it out. Please vote. I urge you to vote because otherwise this show won't be interesting. And I have a lot of really... Or I think you're going to like it very, very much. But you need to vote, so we have some content to talk about. So please go there. Please vote. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, have a nice day. You can contact us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast, via email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars like we give to Russell Todd. And that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you next week. And we'll be playing you out with the Another World theme song. Dream 101? No, Scream. S-C-R-E-A-M. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, so on this very... Welcome. Hold on. Welcome to a very special episode of Scream 101 Podcast. In the following podcast, myself... Wait, is yours on? No. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that one more time. I'm going to do it all again. Okay, so... um, Welcome to a very special... Nope.
<laughs> this is going on the nope. end. Welcome to a very special episode of Scream 101 Podcast. This episode... Timmy gets addicted to drugs. No. No. It's... And next week... Or, no, previously on Walton's Mountain... Do these jokes make sense in 2016? No. no? What are you talking okay. about? Let's just move on. Oh, my goodness. Okay. On this very special episode of Scream 101, we interview Russell Todd. Okay, hold on. No, nope. I'm going to do this over again. Uh, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you do this every episode. I'm allowed to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ref- okay. One sec. We're losing it. We're spinning out of control. Bye. Bye-bye. That took way...